Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, helping higher education marketing leaders share knowledge about learning, strategies, and tactics that are relevant today. See what you can learn today by listening to one of our episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Higher Ed Demand Gen video podcast hosted by Concept3D. Concept3D has served the online education community for over a decade with our award-winning interactive maps and virtual tours. Improve your campus communications, engagement, and recruitment with their powerful visual communication solutions. My name is Shiro, and I will be your host today. I'm a demand gen marketer at Concept3D, and I'm speaking from my home in Silverthorne, Colorado. Uh, it's about an hour and a half west of Denver, uh, just, to, just to give you an idea of where I'm at. And today I'm super excited to be joined by Ethan Penland. He's the Director of Mission Services at Tudor Collegiate Strategies. He is a marketing leader with a plethora of experience in admissions marketing, with experience at University of North Georgia, Appalachian State University, and now at Tudor Collegiate Strategies. And he also likes to mountain bike. <laughs> so Ethan, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. And, and I think you might have stole my fun fact there about mountain biking. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, and I'm, I'm recording from Boone, North Carolina, which will be my home for one more week, and then I'll be moving to Asheville, North Carolina. For anybody listening, if you know anybody in the area, let's connect um, or connect me with them. Love to hang out. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Great. Okay. Well, let's get in, uh, let's get into this. So, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and Tudor Collegiate Strategies? Yeah. So, uh, my background: um, I did not actually start out in higher ed. I went into the corporate world. Realized very quickly that was not. Um, something I was passionate about, something that I really found um, exciting or, or fulfilling. So uh, for me, I, I just happened to stumble upon an admissions counselor role uh, at the University of North Georgia, which was my alma mater. And uh, honestly, I thought it was going to be a stopgap before I jumped into um, the baseball industry. I was really looking towards that. And, you know, here we are almost 10 years later, and I'm now working um, with, you know, enrollment leaders and admission leaders at various institutions across the country and being able to support their, you know, recruitment and uh, marketing efforts uh, to be able to, you know, essentially hit their enrollment uh, classes and, and, and enrollment goals. So, uh, you know, again, mentioning that about coming into the role of admission counselor early in my career, uh, worked my way up uh, in various roles at University of North Georgia before <clears throat> I made the switch to the mountains in North Carolina. And uh, as most recently, I was the undergrad uh, admissions director for Appalachian State. And, you know, something that was really compelling to me was the idea of helping so many institutions beyond just my own institution. And through conversations with Jeremy Tears, who is the senior uh, director for admission services with Tudor Collegiate Strategies, and, I'll, and I'm going to refer to them as TCS moving forward, if that's okay. Um, he and I had back and forth conversations, and I just told him one day, I was like, hey, I really would love to get into the industry you're in. And uh, you know, lo and behold, here I am now. And it's been amazing to really be able to, again, as I said before, help with enrollment goals, uh, various institutions and leaders, but to know that I'm making a broader impact on the, the world of higher education. That's amazing. Thank you. I know you mentioned uh, passion earlier in, in our earliest earlier conversation. You mentioned um, a topic around like seeing a student as a name and not a number. And that was I think something on your own LinkedIn profile too, right? It's it's something that you're passionate about. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie this back into tutor lead strategies as well, and and I'm gonna lead off starting to say that you know the philosophy of TCS is really to get back to who is it that we're recruiting? Is it a number or is it a student? And and again, hopefully we are working with the institutions through professional development, through their communications, marketing, and st uh, recruit strategies in a variety of ways to help them understand the importance of seeing that student as a student. Because I, I think there's been a te you know, tectonic shift in the way that recruitment is seen now in higher education. I remember 10 years ago, again, when I came in, recruitment was still really focused on, on the student and really trying to, of course, we're it, higher education always been a, a business, right? It's been an industry in itself, mm -hmm. but there had always been this emphasis on how can we really provide for the student? And, you know, and, and I think there's been some really massive shifts um, even before COVID hit, but especially during COVID that has driven institutions to be so much more numbers driven and not really looking at the student as, as someone who they can develop and, and really be able to be proud of the, the product in which uh, they go out into the world and, and serve and, and also to be a reflection of their institution. So again, mentioning that, how we see students as numbers is just really taken away from the student experience, especially not only at the institutional level when they get there, but also especially at the recruitment level. And I just want to share just to something that's in a slide that you know, we, we add in for every workshop we do. One of the massive quotes that really resonates with so many people is a student reported that they said they feel like one in a billion now uh, when it comes to recruitment. So I say all that, it's, we're, we, 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 we constantly survey students um, in various ways uh, at TCS and, and the data continues to tell us that students want to be seen as a student, they want to be able to share their story. They want you to be engaged with their story and they want to have an individualized experience. So I, I bring that up to say, what if, what if we shifted back to that mindset, right? That we had, you know, say 10 years ago where we care enough to hear more about who that student is and really try to drive to meet their needs. I'm not naive to think that we can do that for every student, but if that's our intention versus trying to meet our numbers uh, solely, right? What could happen? And, and based on the data, I think that's actually the way we need to be moving towards. Got it. And do you have any ideas exactly of how you can create these more personalized student-based recruitment or admissions strategies? Like, Yeah. What are some examples? I appreciate that question. Uh, matter of fact, I just put out a blog out just the other day, just nice. about asking questions, right? It's the mm -hmm. way we ask questions. Um, or simply asking a question. When you look at communications today, they all sound, sound and look alike from every institution. And a lot right. of it is, is one-sided conversation. So what if we took that approach of saying, we want to make this a conversation with you. We want to propose a direct and intentional question in our communication so where it elicits a response. And I can't say this for everybody, but I've seen it and heard it um, on numerous occasions. It's you know, Ethan, I, I don't want a lot of responses in my inbox. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> I stop and think, well, what's the role? What is your role then? You know, what are you really caring for? Is it to, is it, it's clearly not to support the student, right? And, and that would be to, to get a response back in your email is a sure sign that you're doing a great job. You're creating engagement. So I say that to say, 
Okay, that's one way to create individualized uh, experience while also trying to uh, show that we're interested in who they are. But then I also look at too, and I'm going to talk more in the technological side of things. It's really looking at how you can leverage your CRM. And I think a lot of schools, you know, there's, I won't mention names, but there's, you know, a Cadillac out there of CRMs that's being used in admissions and enrollment. And a lot of schools don't even understand the functionality that, that it can provide to be able to give, you know, students not only a personalized experience, but mm -hmm. being able to segment down and be extremely intentional with who you're communicating with. So I'll just use those, you know, those are two ends of the spectrum, something so simple as creating conversation with students, and then also looking at how you can leverage your technology to make it even more productive for you, but especially individualized for the student. Got it. And that's where I'm hearing like those two things can meet in the middle. So maybe, you know, you can create a system that makes responding or those responses that do come in a little bit easier to manage through your CRM. 100%. And, and I mentioned gotcha. about asking questions, you know, it's, I mean, all that can be automated and still honestly feel personalized for students. It's, mm -hmm. It goes back to really trying to know how to leverage your CRM to be able to create those pockets and populations down mm -hmm. to an intentional group and be able to ask questions that they need to be asked, not questions that you simply want to at, be asking, if that makes sense. Right. There's things that we really need to know about the student as well, and not just asking asking a question to ask a question. Got and again, it. it can all be done in the CRM. So when when TC S comes in and, and helps partners with the school, you know where would you say a lot of these school CRMs are at when you know you're really seeing them being inefficient, like on a scale of one to ten, if you had to ballpark it. Gosh, well, you know, of course, it ranges from CRM. Um, I would, uh, you know, I'm going to be generous, uh, and I'd say <laughs> that say, seven's always a safe number, right? Like there's some nice. that are outperforming others, and some are a little okay. bit more overwhelming. But I'm going to give I'm going to give some benefit to some and say seven. But you know, with each each number increase, that's that's a lot that it takes to continue to move up, and that's a lot of opportunity with each number. So again, as much as I'm being generous, there's still again a lot of opportunity to to mm -hmm. grow and, and maximize those efforts. Gotcha. Now, I feel like I'm going down a, a CRM rabbit hole, but what, what do you see are the, the quickest wins that you see, like commonalities went between your different partners when you first come in? Uh, what is it I see commonalities as far as the... the like quick wins in the CRM that they can make? Oh make my gosh. Changes? Yeah. I mean, the first is really leveraging the data. Uh, you know, it, it's, it is the most powerful thing about a CRM, especially if you have a successful and, and useful CRM. And what I mean by that is a mm -hmm. CRM that works for you, not where you have to work um, within the boundaries of the CRM. And knowing how to place data in the right way, knowing how to look at it, but, but more so knowing how to create a story around that data. So for those partners that are having those quick wins, they're able to kind of digest that, that data and start to be able to together a story that tells what they need to start to put into place as mm -hmm. proactive actions to make them um, you know be better for the student and then also to those that really stop and think about why they're doing certain things within their CRM right and, and what I mean by that is you know it's it's one thing to fix something or change something for for you know, we'll say a problem or a concern that day. It's another to be stopping and thinking, how am I setting this CRM up right now for five, 10 years down the line, right? 
those are the ones that are really succeeding. They're not, they're not fixing or they're not changing things just for today. They're doing that. They're being strategic, stopping before they plan, before they put action ahead and asking, why do we do this? And then planning for the future. Those are some things that are really separating the, the, the goods from the greats in their CRMs. Got it. Because those, those things that you put in place today will compound over time because it'll be beneficial in the long run, you're saying, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got to give a lot of credit to, is it okay if I mention someone's name and on here. Just, yeah, I mean that's that's your that's your policy, so it's not. Uh, yeah, so I, I hope she's okay with it. But her name's Sarah Davis Cagle, um, and her, she's a director of the CRM and analytics at Appalachian State. Uh, you know, th they they implemented a CRM before I got there, so it was her along with some other folks. But I give a lot of credit because you know, and and shamefully, I guess to some degree, uh, I was that person that wanted to make a change that day for for tomorrow or or for that day and she was really great about stopping and saying I, I hear you Ethan. that makes sense for today or tomorrow but how does that look down the line and and again I, I encourage anyone that's listening that maybe has a director of CRM and analytics or or you know something that is comparable in that role is to really try to think about or develop that skill set of it really uh, being analytical and asking why before actually taking action and, and again, I think I learned so much from her uh, in that capacity that I'm able to recognize, again, those goods from the greats or the greats from the goods, I should say, um, who are doing that in their CRMs. That's fantastic. That's a, that's a great shout out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Um, now that we're kind of on the topic with TTS, um, what are some problems and solutions that you're seeing uh, in recruitment and ditch? Sorry. Let's scratch that. What are some problems and solutions you're currently seeing in admissions and recruitment departments, um, given like the current climate of the last two or three years, obviously with the pandemic and COVID? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that, that are really concerning. Um, the first, obviously, is, you know, as people refer to it as the Great Recession. Um, it, it, of course, it's no secret that people are leaving positions to be able to have more flexibility in their life, um, along with, you know, getting more money. I mean, that, unfortunately, that's the reality that we're facing because we're losing mm -hmm. some fantastic people that have served higher ed or could have a fantastic career in higher ed, um, but they have immediate needs that they need to take care of. So, of course, that's that's a major concern. Um, another I would say to that is, you know, you're, you're constantly hiring people, but the pools are not that great. The applicant pools are, are pretty scarce. So it's, you know, an application, uh, or not an application, but a job posting could sit, you know, for, for months and only get one or two applications. And, and you get to a point where there's a rub of, I need to fill this space and you really just take what you have, you know, and, mm -hmm. and unfortunately I, you know, I want to be empathetic to that, but unfortunately the, the, the goal should be find someone that you can create, um, or you can develop through teach that has that teachability skill and not just taking anyone that's just available. Right. So that's a, that's another major concern. Uh, so I'm going to kind of lead into that, you know, onboarding is another thing that we're really seeing as a struggle. And again, this is not just focused on admissions or enrollment management. It really goes beyond the walls of, of that throughout the institution. Uh, I'm, but I am going to speak specifically to admissions or enrollment management. You know, we're onboarding people within two weeks and it's on a sheet of paper of things that you just check off. Well, you know, what the job is much more robust than that. And, to, especially today, right? Because of 
the, the goals that are in place and so many obstacles are, are needing to be overcome. But, you know, for me, I'll, I'll say recruitment uh, onboarding, especially or admissions onboarding, especially uh, it, it should be an entire year's worth of onboarding because no semester is the same. Every experience is going to be different from even month to month. So really mm -hmm. looking at how can you create more of a robust onboarding process beyond just those two weeks and checking off the boxes. And the other thing I'd say to that too, is if you don't have the capacity to do that now, really stop and really think about what you can prioritize as what needs to be trained on right now and start to, again, kind of spread out that onboarding to where it's, you're onboarding on things that matter in those moments, as opposed to rushing it all at the front. And the last thing I'll say, and I know we're running out of time here, but you know, leadership, unfortunately, is, is a major concern, whether that's at middle, middle management leadership or high above. What's also happening is with these departures, more people, to, to, to some degree, it is great. They're getting promotions, and that's awesome, but they have not had the chance to really develop their leadership skills. And honestly, that's, that's really hard because I think a lot are having to try to prove themselves because they feel that, you know, that's the only alternative to or the only route for for leadership is to really showcase why they deserve that. And, and I will say this, and I'll be, and, and I made my own, uh, my own mistakes in this uh, through trying to prove myself, but really do everything with, with your team in mind. Um, try to make every action possible uh, with your team in mind and always put you in, and when, when the champ, uh, when the successes come, praise your team. And when the pitfalls come really, really take ownership of that. And, and on the back and, sit with your team and try to identify how you can prevent those moving forward. So I, again, I, those are four areas that I just really see as a, as a concern from the pandemic over the last few years um, that I hope changes, but you know, I, there's maybe not an end in sight right now. That's, that's great. That's really good insight. Thank you. I, I know you said you were worried about going over, happy to go over a few minutes if you still got time, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. And then I know one thing I really wanted to hit on is virtual engagement. I know that we talked about, all right, COVID restrictions are loosening up, right? Schools are hopefully getting back to where they were four years ago. But uh, we talked about how virtual engagement is still, virtual engagement and virtual recruitment is still very important today and should continue uh, from here on out. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that as well? Absolutely. So I, I'll, you and I spoke before, and, I, and I'll say it again, I love in-person. I think that in-person recruitment is the pinnacle of what recruitment should be um, because you really get to see the reactions uh, in real time of how people respond to what you're saying and really be able to carry a strong conversation. Yes, that should be the staple. However, you should not be abandoning virtual recruitment or virtual engagement because what we're seeing from the pandemic is it has been so beneficial for so many underrepresented populations. Um, and I'm, I'll, I'll share some of the, that data points here in a second. But it also, as a new element of, of, of how recruitment is going to shift, I, I don't think that virtual is going anywhere. If you, there's commercials about the metaverse, right? And learning in the metaverse. Well, visiting schools is going to take place in that down the line as well. Right. So it's not going to go anywhere and it's creating more of an accessible opportunity. And, and what I was saying about the, the, the perspective of what virtual recruitment may end up being is it may end up being the first point of contact or first impression that students have of you before they invest in being able to meet with you in person. Right. Or, for example, mm -hmm. 
you know, a virtual campus visit may be the staple for them to feel like, okay, it is worth for me, worth me investing my time and resources, asking my parents or supporters to take me to campus. So that it may be a shift in mindset. And, and again, going back to the data on the underrepresented populations, we partner with niche, niche on doing a survey of seniors uh, in 2021. Uh, so mm -hmm. we surveyed that, or it was a class of 22, but we surveyed in, in 2021 in the fall. And one of the questions we asked was, what is their interest in, um, in virtual, recruit, or virtual events? And I have a few statistics here. 74% of students who identified as Black or African American said they were interested or very interested. You had 65% who identified as Hispanic Latinx um, saying that they were interested or very interested. And then also first generation reported at 65% as well. And then, you know, there was an option in there that said uh, unsure, uh, meaning they were unsure if they were interested or uninterested. If you remove that option, those percentages jump up into the 80s, right? So you have this high volume of interest in, in these virtual um, virtual spaces or virtual engagement opportunities, <clears throat> but so many schools feel that it's not worth the, the time and resources to put those on. I would say it's more a reflection of what am I actually giving to the student? Am I giving a generic pitch in these information sessions? Or am I giving them something that is tangible that they can walk away with that not only applies to my institution, of course, I hope they learn something about us, but that they can take with them and apply it to any other institution that they may you know, engage with. And then I'm just gonna share one last other stat here, um, talking again about virtual engagement. We also asked, um, you know, how many had, uh, engaged in virtual recruitment in some capacity. And, and what we got was 61% um, of uh, Black African-American students said that they had attended a virtual information session, along with Hispanic Latinx, 51% said that they had attended um, a, a virtual information session. So you look at half and almost two-thirds of students uh, in these different populations are engaging in your virtual, uh, virtual offerings. And if it's okay with you, I got one more stat that I just want to share. And it's of course, kind of, yeah, it's a lot the of these reverse, stats. Yeah, it's on the reverse end of this of talking about on campus. And again, we're talking about class of twenty two um, seniors mm -hmm. when we surveyed them in the fall of twenty twenty one. We had asked, "Have you visited or or planned to visit um, a, a campus uh, a campus event?" Right. So we had on there, in person, right? In person. In person. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was reported that 57% uh, of first generation said, no, they did not plan to or ha had not. Uh, wow. African-American reported at 57%. Hispanic Latinx reported at 56%. But here's the, here's the amazing thing um, is um, white students uh, was at around 42%. So again, we're talking about these underrepresented populations that are finding a huge benefit to the fact that virtual engagement creates a, a positive experience for them, but it's also really resourceful, right? So I mentioned that about the white student. Um, again, they are showing that they are attending campus visits prior to their, their uh, senior year um, or have participated in it. These other populations, unfortunately, have not been able to. But you talk to campus leaders um, uh, in enrollment management and admissions, it's, it's so common to hear, if we can get them to campus, it's a done deal. Well, the thing about it is, is they may not be coming to campus. So. All right.
That's amazing. Yeah. If you have diversity goals, I mean, that, those statistics are extremely powerful because you could be missing the mark with without these virtual engagement events and recruitment opportunities. That's huge. Yeah, I like how you tied a little bit of the the focusing on the student back in with the the virtual engagement there as well, because you know you're you're really focusing on driving that conversation, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. That's great, awesome. Well, I think we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, that was really awesome. I think we could probably have another one of these conversations because I know we talked about even more on our prior conversation. Uh, yeah. Do you want to give a quick? Uh, a quick uh, tidbit about uh, TCS. Yeah, again, and share yeah. some information. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, we really um, find value in being able to support teams uh, through their professional development. You know, if you have a, a young staff um, or new staff, get in contact with us. We'd love to just have a conversation with you. Uh, should we be able to come to campus and support you? That's one thing. Um, but if you just need a resource or someone to communicate with and and ask for some advice or perspective, we're happy to share that too. Um, along with that, again, we, we do provide communication and marketing solutions along with recruitment solutions uh, and, and within the world of strategy. So again, if there's interest in that, um, we work with various different populations and we work with what your needs are. Um, we also have an athletic division um, that spans the entire country as well. So if you are someone in athletics listening or you have a campus partner in athletics and you've you know, have been interested in uh, professional development together or separate along with the communications and recruitment strategies, let us know. We're happy to help support that. And again, you know, TCS, uh, you know, we were founded almost 20 years ago. Uh, admission side has been about eight years, eight years old, um, but we partner with, at least on the admission side, uh, 150 plus, and uh, the athletic side, 500. So what we're saying, what we're sharing is, is uh, people are listening and people are meeting their enrollment goals. But also, too, I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway that we're proud of is that we're shifting the mindset of, of how to recruit, right? It, it's, again, going back to our first point, seeing students as students and not just simply as a number. That's amazing. And uh, I got your website pulled up. Is it D-A-N or is it just Dan Tudor? Dan Tudor, yeah. D-A-N-T-U-D-O-R.com. Uh, check us Great. out there and then if you'd like to email me if you don't mind i'll plug my email it's ethan e-t-h-a-n at dantutor.com that's amazing thanks again for joining us today yeah thank you so much for having me shira appreciate you thanks everyone bye-bye